coming up on Inside the NRL, there's drama at the Dragons, but who's to blame for their streak of poor performances? Plus, we cross to Raiders coach Ricky Stewart to discuss the club's purple patch, but are they true finals contenders? And is Tom Dubovic Manly's greatest player of all time? The panel have their say in hit or miss. Well, as you heard, there's plenty of news to get through. Thanks for tuning in into the episode of Inside the NRL. We're a bit extra today. We're wearing beanies for brain cancer round, an NRL-supported round, of course. The Mark Hughes Foundation did start this off. And, gents, it's very powerful to see how much sport, particularly NRL, can influence, uh, I guess, issues like brain cancer. Yeah, I love the fact that everyone gets out and the scenes that we see you know, in this round every year now, it's great. And... Uh, the beanies are comfy, very comfy actually. Yeah. Fit my big melon uh, perfectly. Katie, yours looks good. Uh, my little mate on the end there struggled. He didn't know how to wear the beanie. You need but, uh... to show a little bit of fringe, I told you. <laughs> you look like a snowboarder. <laughs> look like something. Or a skater boy, we weren't, we weren't sure. But they're all for a good cause, $25 each. We will talk a little bit more about that uh, later in the show, but it is time to talk footy. And uh, today's topic... The Dragons. They sit 14th on the ladder. Michael, is there a chance we can see an improvement in their performance before the season's out? Oh, there's a chance, but we haven't seen any signs of it. They're, they're going backwards, the Dragons, and going backwards quickly. I, they've won 10 of the last 28 games, and you know, Jamie obviously played for the club, a proud club, and the fans are up in arms. They demand more, and to be honest, they, are, they have every right to, because that team on that paper, on, in terms of their roster, is better than a team coming 14th. It's unacceptable where they're at at the moment. And I think you'll find that, you know, there's a lot of pressure. There's, a, you know, discussions about a review and whether Mayor is safe. Regardless of whether there's a two-year extension or not, if he's not the man to improve this roster, then the Dragons have to bite the bullet, realise they got it wrong and move on because they're not improving. They're going backwards. Yeah, my, uh, for you, Jamie, I mean, you played at the club, but yeah. we've seen a lot of things happen in terms of issues with player injuries, off-field. Is that any excuse? No, it's not, and it really hurts me to say it. You know, I, I love my time at the Dragons. It's a, it's a very proud club. Those fans are probably one, some of the most loyal fans and, and some of the most die-hard fans in the NRL, in sport in general. So it hurts me to be talking about my former club where I won a premiership there, but... It seemed like there was a built-in excuse at the start of the year with Jack DeBellin. Uh, that derailed their season. Injuries. I, I said many a times, Manly have been the standard in terms of injuries, being able to play with their best players. You sit down and watch the style of Manly versus the style of the Dragons at the moment, and it's chalk and cheese. They go out and compete on everything. I'm not sure where the Dragons are at the moment. But the most puzzling thing for me was after Friday night's loss, James Graham, the interview after the game, this is what he had to say. What do you think? Um, I mean, it, it's a tough time for the club. How do you pull through? Uh, I don't know. I'm sort of... don't know the right questions. I don't know the answer. It's, um, like it's not what we're striving for at all. And, um, yeah, it's difficult to put my finger on it, mate. It's rare that we see James Graham not having an answer. Michael, is it as blunt to say that they keep Mary? They get rid of Mary? Well, I'll, I mean, tell, you, I'll tell you one time I've seen James Graham all that. That's when these things started to go badly at Canterbury. And it's the same sort of blank expression he had when things started to go pear-shaped there. Look, oh, Mary McGregor has had, what, this is his sixth year now? I know the first year he was interim, interim coach there. But he's had six years. And that's a long time for a coach, not only to have a roster, but to rebuild. He's got every player there that he wants. And to get to a point where they're now going backwards, they've made the finals, what, twice in his time? Yeah. It's, it's not good enough. And I know there are a lot of people supporting him because Mary is such a good bloke. And he is a guy that's obviously played for the club. He knows what it means. But at the end of the day, if you're going backwards and you've got a roster that's, let's be fair, good enough to be a top-four team, 
and you're sitting 14th, regardless of whether Gareth Bidup's not there or Jack DeBellin, they're still Ben Hart, they're still Corey Norman, they're still Tyson Frizzell, Paul Vaughan, Cameron McInnes. That's a good enough football team to be playing finals football. Questions have to be asked of the coach. You talked about interim coach in 2014. Let's take a look at where uh, Paul McGregor did finish since 2014. And you mentioned there's two final spots there, eighth and seventh. Last year, they were riddled with injuries as well. And we saw that incredible win over the Broncos and then drop out. But 2019, we thought they were going to have the best roster possible. We, they didn't even know where to fit Gareth, where to fit Corey, etc. Now, like you say, they're 14th. Jamie, is it possibly the way uh, Mary's coaching the club? Is it the recruitment? What is it? Well, I think it's a combination of everything. You look at, you know, I question the, yeah, they need to get some more depth in the outside back. So that comes recruitment. But then you talk about coaching style as well. So everyone uh, has got a piece, to, a part to play in all of this at the Dragons. What has masked those results is they've started so fast and faded away. So it's sort of masked that a missed opportunity. And you look at the, the opportunity this year when they come in, it's a side off the back of last year, that win that had the rep players that they do have, that is a top four side. They just haven't been able to do it. And, and I've questioned before whether they need to look externally in terms of bringing someone in that, that has nothing to do with the club just to be able to set a fresh set of eyes on it, like a Mal Meninga, just to be able to give a different perspective. There's no hidden agendas like that. They just need to look at the club and, and take it for what it is and then come up with a solution because Dragons fans won't stand for it. You know, Twitter's going off every week. You know, what's, what's going on at the Dragons? This and that. It's become one of the biggest news stories of the year because the Dragons fan base is so big. Michael, do you agree? I'd like to ask Jamie, would you pull the, would you pull the pin on Mary now? Because if you don't go now and you wait another season and you wait and see how they go for eight to ten rounds next year, then you waste another year. Is it time, if things don't go well over the next eight weeks, perhaps even it's already time Well, the now. season's gone. So I, I think... I don't think you pull the pin this year. Only, only because you're going to... No, no one gets anything out of sitting for the next seven weeks and coming in as an interim coach. Uh, I think the internal review... I would go the external... Uh, external review, wait, and then come up with an op uh, an opportunity or an options for what they go do going forward. Because if you get rid of Mary, who's next up? Well, there's some talk around um, Craig Fitzgibbon, as, you know, Adam O'Brien. So there's a few guys there who have waited a little bit of time to get Justin Holbrook. Justin Holbrook, obviously linked to that Titans. But the other part of it is, do the Dragons have the money to be able to pay Mary out? Well, this is what it comes back to. So I, at the start of the year, I sat here and I backed the Dragons because they extended Mary's tenure for two years. I thought on the proviso they're going to improve. Surely as a management, when you're extending someone who hasn't really got the runs on the board, you say, here you go, he's two years. But there are some clauses, performance-based clauses, that if things aren't going well, then there's a certain non-guaranteed part of your contract that you don't have to pay out. Now, you'd like to think the Dragons have done that. I'm not sure. No, the club would confirm that. But you'd like to think that if things have gone wrong so badly, then they can pull the trigger on Mary, pay him out a certain amount of his contract, and move on. But I don't know. It's just, at the moment, I just don't know where the Dragons improve. And it's not roster's a problem. The roster's good enough. OK. And what about a pass, Mark? We've got, uh, what, we're round 19? There's What's no... Pass? Is, there a, is there a pass? No, there's not, no, not a pass. This, 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 is... this team can win the competition. OK. This is, no pass, Mark, at the moment. You, that, that set the tone. That James Graham interview, you watch that back... He's the most passionate, emotional leader that they have. And for him to not have any answers, that just shows, you know, what the, what's gone wrong this year. The playing group, they just haven't been able to get those results. And it, Alex McKinnon summed it up. Who's owning the result at the Dragons? 
Yeah, we can well, see. Well, Barry's owning it. He's saying it's his fault, but that's not good enough because. But then, if it's his fault, then that's then that's that's your answer, isn't it? If the Dragons are so worried about sacking him and paying him out, I'm telling you, they're going to lose a lot more money if the club continues to perform the way they have. And to look at the crowds, they've been very disappointing all year. Yeah. The, cra the crowds aren't turning up. The Dragons have one of the biggest support bases, if not the biggest, in the NRL, and the crowds have been embarrassing this year. So. In terms of losing money, they're going to lose it elsewhere if they don't make a decision very quickly. All right, well, enough about a team under fire. Let's talk about a team who is on fire. Joining us on Inside the NRL, all the way from Canberra, Ricky Stewart, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Katie. Thank you very much. Now, we'll talk about your team success very shortly, but just quickly, last Friday night, pretty special. Um, the club celebrated the 30-year anniversary since the 1989 Grand Final. Also, the inaugural Hall of Fame dinner. We saw three new Hall of Famers be inducted. Were you pretty... Um, Proud of the efforts and, I guess, how your current squad celebrated with a win against the Tigers? Yeah, well, it's been a big weekend, actually, with all the old boys uh, visiting for the reunion, plus the uh, Hall of Fame dinner on Saturday, Friday night, where we uh, also um, um, celebrated the 30-year uh, anniversary of the, the first grand final club as one. So it was, uh, it was a big weekend, and it was, uh, I think, it, that little bit of... Uh, Momentum and pressure probably from the old boys helped us a little bit in, in what was a, a tough game against the Tigers. Ricky, a lot of uh, people in the nation's capital are starting to get a bit excited about what your mob can do. I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts on, I know Melbourne and, and the Roosters, a lot, of, a lot of people think that you know, they're the two teams to beat. How far away do you think your side is? Is this, is this year realistic, mate, in terms of challenging for that premiership or are you, are you still another year away from being at that level? I... Um... But uh, yeah, it's a pretty hard question. It's um, you know whether you're uh, you think you're realistic or you're another year away. It's I don't like to think about being another year away, and I um, I probably not in position at the moment to say we're a realistic uh, uh, force just yet. I think we're we're a team that's progressively uh, improving. Um, there are uh, there's, there's so many different types of variances that go into a season and. If you can have a uh, a bit of a little bit of fortune, a little bit of luck in uh, having your best team available to play in the back end of the season, that's a very big help. But um, there's a lot goes into it, more so than me just saying that we were a real threat or uh, we've got another year to go. I think that's that's a pretty hard question to answer. But uh, I certainly see the team progressing, and if we can continue to slowly find improvements and and execute those improvements and, and achieve them, uh, you know we're uh, um, makes me happy because I know we're improving. Stick, a criticism of mine over the last probably five years is the team not being able to put in a complete performance for 80 minutes. Had a look at some of the stats. Your fourth quarter, the part of the game now that you're actually excelling in, it's the best part of your game. You're holding teams out, but you're also scoring. How did you approach going into this preseason and adapt to that to make your team one of the best in the competition at that? Probably a couple of things. Jamie, that uh, players develop and improve with um, age. It's, I think maturity is a, is a big thing there. And I also think that um, you know, we've taken a little bit of uh, focus away from our attack and uh, really worked hard on our defence. Um, you will find that um, you, know, you can hang in games for, uh, for the duration or for a longer period if you're not given the... You're not turning the ball over as much and making uh, making errors. We, you know, we our complete or not so much our completions, but our unforced errors were have been way too high over the last few years. And 
Uh, I like them to attack instinctively. I like the boys to uh, uh, play what they see in front of them. But there's also got to be a, uh, a little bit more respect for the football. I think we're showing that this year. And those little things are helping our defence as well. Ricky, another important mention. Uh, everybody's talking about your pommies in the Super League plays that you've brought over. You've got another one coming. That's how much you're enjoying them. George Williams, what are you liking him? Why has he been added to your squad for next year? Well, he's a very experienced half, and um, you know, we made this decision a long while ago. And he um, he's a good he's a you know he's a very good running halfback who's um, playing international football, and you've only got to see what he's doing in England at the moment to know that he'll make it in the NRL. Yeah, good. Stick, you talk about the halves there, but have you settled on your halfback going into the finals? Will Aidan Caesar be the man to wear the number seven, or is Sam Williams still in that frame? He's still in the hunt, Sammy. It's, um, I'm very fortunate, Jamie, to have that uh, uh, little bit of depth there. But the way Sam's, uh, sorry, the way Aiden's playing at the moment, he obviously holds his position. He's, he's uh, combining very well. We've changed a couple of things around with him and Jack and uh, Chance, and they're really combining well at the moment. I'm happy with the last two weeks in uh, in their communication and combining together. You know how important it is to have that cohesion with your half. It's uh, um, he's working a lot better with uh, with those around him at the moment, Aiden. And uh, you know, he's, he's managing of games is a lot better. That's where Sam's got a uh, you know a wonderful part to his game is he can manage the ruck and manage the attack. Um, I thought the last two weeks Aiden's done a really good job at that. Ricky, uh, somewhat of a masterstroke in the preseason, moving Jack White into the halves. Can I ask you what your thoughts were, what your concerns were with it, if it was going to or not going to work when you first came up with the idea? Well, I wanted to do it when I first got here, but uh, Jack was a little bit reluctant. Um, he was probably a little bit young to take on that responsibility as well, so moving him to fullback probably gave him a really good education in, uh, in, in playing at 5'8". I, um, I needed to make a decision on... Uh, whether I um, pushed him into the front line because I, I, I and being such a being such a dominant player, a dominant force, he we had to get the ball in his hands more. He was he um, has great strong front on defence. He's very good in the front line, so um, that was always going to be an added bonus. But uh, I needed to get the ball in his hand more, and um, we worked hard on his kicking game. So um, he's really um, excelled in those those couple of areas, and he's actually helped the team. It's proven a success playing State of Origin as well this year. But, Ricky Stewart, you've got a massive game uh, this weekend on Sunday against the Panthers. So good luck. We won't hold you Thank up. You. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Katie. Thanks very much, guys. And, of course, you can catch that game on Channel 9, Fox Sports, KO and the Telstra Live Pass. But next up, we've got the countdown to the Downer Rugby League World Cup Nines competition, October 18 and 19 out at Bankwest Stadium. Let's get the latest from Zach Bailey, who was joined by Damien Cook a little earlier today. Nines Rugby League, Damien Cook, it sounds like a match made in heaven. Yeah, it is, mate. I really enjoyed the, the tournaments we played at club level over at the Auckland Nines and uh, to be a part of the, the World World Nines tournament, the first one, it'd be pretty exciting. Given the likes of yourself and Kalen Ponga, Cam Munster, Daly Cherry Evans, you name them all, do the Aussies go in as favourites? I oh, know, then you've got Tedesco and Javojevic as well, so um, it's going to be... A pretty packed uh, side there, but you know there's uh, a lot of talent across all the teams, and I think those Pacific nations as well. They've got a lot of talent, a lot of footwork. It's uh, scary to defend, especially when there's only nine of you on the field. Does that help you? You're so good around the ruck in the 13-man game when you dart out and link up with the likes of Teddy and Turbo. 
Will that really help the Aussies? Is that where the is a similar kind of game plan? Well, I think that's where you need a bit of uh, you know you can't just have all you know outside backs playing it. You need a bit of size in there as well. So you've got the players like the Tamalolo playing for Tonga. He's going to draw in four defenders um, to tackle him. So then you're going to have, you know, five on five on the rest of them. So, um, you know, you need a good balance and good mix and so a couple of big fast guys with some ball skills and, uh, yeah, it should be good. Who's the biggest threat for the Aussies, do you think? Uh, well, having Tilvasa Shek and uh, Sean Johnson, Benji Marshall, um, Brandon Smith, like, Joey Manu, Dallin Martinez, Lesnia. The New Zealanders will be a pretty good side as well. Well, as you can see here, it's a pretty noisy bit. Uh, back to club footy, are you happy to get things back on track against the Cowboys? Yeah, yeah, mate, the last two weeks have been really good for us um, to have everyone back, back in routine, uh, training together all week, and then uh, two tough wins for us, uh, what we needed, and we've got the players still to come back, so exciting stuff ahead. What about Cam Murray, an Origin Series winner at his age, and in Game 50, he, he really rose to the occasion. Yeah, he did, mate. He, uh, you know, he's an unbelievable player, and what is he, what all the credit he's getting this year, he deserves. He works really Really hard at training and uh, you know for a young kid he's very experienced already 50 games and he's definitely showing his leadership on the field. Will you be getting into Mount Meninga's ear and say hey pick this guy he needs to be in green and gold at the end of the year? Oh, I think his actions on the field will uh, you know he'll get he'll get those rewards and you know like with the Blues jersey uh, told him keeps playing the way he is and doing he'll hold that jersey for 10 years so he's got big things ahead for him. So what about this do you, do you love this kind of thing the festival uh, the, the Nines rugby league is can you bust a move or two? Oh, I can't bust a move really myself but this is the best part about it I think we've seen it about the World Cup you know you're walking into a couple of Lebanon games the drums will go on so uh, I feel like there's going to be a really good atmosphere out here all the cultures coming together and it's going to be really good fun. Damien Cook there with NRL.com's Zach Bailey. Now let's get to some judiciary news uh, where Panthers have announced that Billy Arm Kikau will fight his grade one shoulder charge on Darren Nichols. The Sharks have also confirmed that Andrew Fafita will take the early guilty plea on his shoulder charge on Lachlan Burr. Gents, Will Viliami Kikau get off that charge tomorrow night? <laughs> Are you serious? Of course he will. <laughs> That's ridiculous. They were wasting time going in there. They'll have a nice little bit of Chinese, a trip in from Penrith, <laughs> bounce in, he'll get acquitted and he'll be back home, well, that, sleep in bed. That arm, at least there's an attempt, you could say, that to wrap it around there. So, you know, we saw last year Billy Slater get off. and Billy Slater's was probably... Worse than that, and he got off, so I think we've, Kikau's got nothing We've to worry got worse about. than that coming up. Stay yeah. tuned. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I don't think he has much to worry about. OK. Well, the other one um, was, interestingly, Matt Dufty and his shot on Brent Naden. It was a good thing that the Panthers won. I know that they weren't very happy with it post-match. We'll just get a replay here. Being the fullback, apparently uh, uh, Graham Annesley did explain this rule and he said it's up to the referee's discretion to rule on it. He showed three other examples that have happened over the last couple of years where uh, a player hasn't been charged. Is this fair game? Fair game or do you think that he should have been charged? He should have been charged. It's either, that's, that's a more of a shoulder charge than kick hmm. That He actually closes his arm and runs across full speed. I actually don't mind, and they're not going to change the rules, but I actually think when, when wingers are diving into the corner, and they're bracing for, tap, bracing for impact like Matt Dufty was there and what, like Billy was last year with Fecky. A lot of these situations can be more dangerous if a player tries to make a tackle. When a, a guy is airborne trying to dive into the corner, can be more dangerous. So I actually don't mind it. I think it's the safer option for both players there to, to you know, brace and, and a shoulder collision is probably the safest outcome. But under the rules, you can't. I, I don't mind either way. I just think it's ridiculous that in that situation, a player could be penalised. Because yeah. I think... I agree with Michael, but that's not the rule. Yeah. So... You can't have... We're going to get into murky waters if we're going to start 
you know, classifying when it is all right, the shoulder charge, how many metres out, was he going for a try? Oh, the games, yeah, we're, we've got enough to worry about. Then well, you either have it or you don't. Well, the wingers are airborne most of the time driving to the corner, and we can't, you know, you can't tackle a bloke airborne when he's taking a kick. So it, to me, it's equally dangerous. If a guy's diving to the corner and you're encouraged to make a proper tackle, you could flip him in a you know, situation where it could be quite dangerous. So I, I think the NRL has to think about that one, especially with wingers diving to the corner. It's hard to yeah, make different rules for different players, but I think sometimes the safer option is to brace for impact. <laughs> Jamie's not biting. Can't believe you, well, we're can't not going to give him water today, gents. Nah. We'll save that discussion for another day. But let's talk about some Titans news, uh, whether or not they've found their new men. What's the latest on that, Michael? And will they have someone new before the end of the year? Oh, I think they'll have someone new in the next two weeks, to be honest with you. I think the, the Titans want to get this done pretty quickly. I know they said they want to go through a bit of a process, but I understand that it's probably about a two-week window where they'll have someone sorted. I think Justin Holbrook is the front-runner for that job. Obviously, he's doing a great job with St Helens at the moment. Uh, the other one, obviously, is still Kevin Walters is not going to go through a, a process where he has to be interviewed. I think Kevin Walters is showing his hand. If the Titans want Kevin Walters, they knock on his door and tell him you're the coach. But I don't think that's going to happen. So uh, Justin Holbrook, for me, is the firm front runner at this point. Yeah, I, uh, I actually, I said Anthony Griffin, but I'm, I'm talking about Craig Fitzgibbon. You know, well, if you're talking about the pinnacle of you know, uh, culture and, and everything that they've been able to do at the Roosters, Trent Robinson's right-hand man is Craig Fitzgibbon. I would expect him to come in to calculations along with Anthony Griffin. And, and people will say, well, Sowie, Anthony Griffin got rid of you out of Penrith. What's the difference? Well, I was at the back end of my career out there. Uh, I was going through some stuff. Anthony had come in with directives. Yeah, and we just didn't see eye to eye. But I've actually worked with him all year this year. And you actually sit down and talk footy. And we think a lot along the same lines. It's just when you're at a player coach, it's sometimes hard to get across those boundaries. So, look, I, I think they, the, the Titans would look at uh, definitely Anthony Griffin being a Queensland guy and also they'd be mad if they didn't tap the tyres on Craig Fitzgibbon. That was interesting. Uh, Matt Elliott also back Craig Fitzgibbon being um, the right-hand man to Trent Robinson. But Justin Holbrook was Trent Robinson's right-hand man back in 2015. If Craig Fitzgibbon's not interested in that Titans job, that tells me that potentially he thinks there's another job coming up. And whether that's... The, I we spoke about the Dragons earlier. Well, the, Justin Holbrook ooh. was at the Dragons as well. Mm. Yeah. This could get interesting, Jen. Oh, I just think yeah, if, if you're a first time coach, coaching carousel, has, if goodness. you're the first time coach, you're picking your roster wisely. And we saw with Garth Brennan what happened there. And, and you've got to make sure you nail that first coaching job. Otherwise, it might be your last. So if I'm Craig Fitzgibbon and I'm thinking there might be a chance the Dragons job becomes available, I'll sit back and Would wait. Would Dragons fans be happy with Craig Fitzgibbon? Well, you're not going to get a, a top-line coach like Craig Bellamy or Wayne Bennett. So you're going to have to settle for a young coach with you know big wraps on him, someone like an Adam O'Brien or a Craig Fitzgibbon. They're hard fans to please, your Dragons. Definitely. <laughs> 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 All right, let's get to Jamie Soud, sweet or Soud. What have you got for us this week? Yeah, bit uh, bit sweet this week, Katie. Oh. I, I sat at home yesterday and watched the uh, absolute beautiful scenes of Brookvale. I ne never thought I'd actually say that, but just sitting down, watching the fans pack in, just have a look at that. That is suburban rugby league at its best. The game matched it. I know there was a lot of points and some, you know, some probably poor defence from Parramatta. But in terms of atmosphere and everything that you want, that, the Manly fans really responded to uh, criticism during the week that they don't turn up. And you know, their team's building something special there. They're one of the five teams that you'd sit down every week just off the basis of what they do, competing in and around. They, they have the way they play with DCE and Turbo on the ball. So... I just think that, to me, is the scene that I want to see for, for those little suburban boutique grounds. I love Lotto Land. That's all I've got to say. You were looking at me. I thought maybe you were going to uh, add, add something. Well, you yeah. th that, that, that favorite, reminds me of Cogra and Friday night memory sort of Sunday afternoon. Yeah. of Lotto Land was seeing Jamie Sauer walk around the field with Ben Rogers selected to play a semi-final and you didn't get your chance, mate. You were just... 
disappointed, waiting for your chance. Oh, I, you know, I actually feel like Michael is trying to rev you up this week. So we're going to move on. We're going to talk hit or oh. miss to calm you down. Hmm. Well, if there's hope for Anthony Griffin, there's hope for me, mate, because uh, we might know. be friends after there all. There is no hope for you, Michael Chemis. <laughs> all right. The current NRL's top eight will stay the same leading into finals. Let's take a look at the NRL's ladder right now as it stands. The Storm, Rabbitohs, Roosters, Raiders, Seagulls, Eels, Panthers and Knights stays the same for finals. Hit or miss? Hit. The order will change, but the top eight, I think, will stay the same. I just can't see any of those sides getting out. I know the Knights are shaking a little bit, but I still think they've got good enough players in that roster and, and a, a reasonably friendly run home. Okay, James. Miss for me. Um, still hanging on to the Sharks. Come on, Sharks. Uh, their four and against is all right, minus nine, and they've got four out of the next five at home. So I think... Yeah, on the weekend was another missed opportunity, but I'm expecting the Sharks to at least win three of those home games and put themselves in contention. OK. Question two. Tom Dvojevic could be Manly's greatest ever player, hit or miss. I'm going to go to you, Michael. I say hit, knowing that I haven't watched a lot of guys many years ago. Obviously, Bob Fulton's a, an immortal and has done a lot in the game, but Tom Dvojevic is on the path, I think, to be one, of, well, if not one of the greatest player they've had. He's definitely, in my mind, probably they're going to be the greatest player in the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, he's surpassed Brett Stewart, and I, and, I, and I don't say that lightly. Brett Stewart did some amazing things for Manly, and I think he's already surpassed Brett Stewart in terms of his ability at the club, uh, his game smarts. He's just constantly in the game, and you know, I think we're on the verge of seeing someone very, very special. Jamie, do you agree? Hit or miss? Miss for me. Bob Fulton's an immortal. Yeah, that's... It's recency bias from us. We didn't see a lot of those guys play and I think sometimes we're quick to, to jump in and make these statements because we do know that they are talking points in and around the water coolers. So uh, he's having a fantastic year. He's, he's one of the, he's probably their best player uh, along with DCE and, and his brother. But yeah, I, I just can't go past the guy that's been one of the greats in our game, let alone for Manly. So um, I love watching you play Turbo, but Bob Fulton for me. He's off contract in another year's no, time. No, he's not. In another year's time. He's not. In November, he can negotiate. What do you pay him? What's he worth? Whatever he wants and whatever his brother wants. Turbo Gerbo and little little Gerbo. <laughs> little Burbo. <laughs> <laughs> what? Whatever. Seriously, whoever okay. is the manager is just sitting back and waiting for Manly to go, right, here's the deal. Now, the talk about $10 million for both of them, I think you respect that Jake's probably the best forward in the game, but you also know that Tommy's going to be probably you know, putting a lot more bums on seats in terms of tr scoring tries, setting them up. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, whether you come together and get a package deal, I don't think that's the right way, but I think you'll see in the off-season they'll do a membership drive and then they'll be on the front of the membership card next year, Manly fans. Watch this space, Jamie Soward. You heard it here first, only if it's true. All right, the last one. Josh Reynolds will be at Belmore in 2020. Hit or miss? Let's go to you, Michael. <laughs> no, I'm going to say hit. I'm going to say hit. I know there are certain sections of the club that want this to happen. I know that the, they're trying to rebuild at the moment and someone like Josh Reynolds can come in and show them the Canterbury way because there aren't many guys in that club that actually know it. So if you're going to rebuild the roster and bring new blokes in, you need someone like Josh Reynolds. And that's perfect. He's got two years left on his deal with the Tigers. So if he goes to Canterbury for the next two years while they're trying to buy players and rebuild, energy off the field, energy on the field. I know he's had a lot of bad luck with injuries, but if he can get his body right, he's what Canterbury needs to get him through to the next phase. Jamie? Hit for me. Um, it's, it's actually been you know, sad that his injuries have held him back, but I've watched him firsthand a couple of times. His professionalism is second to none when he turns up and plays for Wes and Brett Hodgson's side. So it's, it's been a tough transition. I think 
It's one of those players. I mean, I never wanted to leave the Dragons, but the deal was too good to refuse out at Penrith. So um, I think that was the same with Josh. You know, he, he didn't want to leave Belmore, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up back there. And then you know, the other question is Lewis, Cogger, yeah, Wakem, what do they do with these young guys as well? So that will come in to Bulldogs you know, fans' calculations, but I'd love to see him back in the blue and white. A little, little bit of talk, they think Wakem's a, a future hooker, so I don't think Lachlan Lewis and Cogger mm, nah. set the world He's on a seven. Fire. He's a seven. Mm. Imagine the homecoming. Oh, I think most of the fans would love it. Yeah. And, he, and he's carried himself well, because I don't know many players who's been through what he's been through that wouldn't kick stones and, and you know, he's carried himself That's well. what I'm saying. He turns up out of Campbelltown and you wouldn't know that he's playing in front of 55 people. He yeah. turns up like he's playing on the big stage. And there's always effort. Yeah, and they'd be able to market that. I think there's, he has to be back there. OK, well, Michael Chamis, we'll leave that one up to you to make sure you break. So keep your eyes on NRL.com. Let's move to champ or chump. And this week, Regan Campbell-Gillard. He was so excited to score his try, he managed to falcon himself. Take a look. <laughs> when I saw it for the first time, I, I didn't want to put him in champ or chump because he played his best game he has since his comeback from injury. But I thought, oh, it's just it's too good. Yeah. Looks deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> Is it champ or chump? Front row scoring a try, champ. It's not about the front row scoring a try. It's about front row. I look row. after He's not going to bag a former teammate. RCG. <laughs> Big fella. He used to protect me. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's I true. need to look after him. Yeah, I don't have many friends sure left. Now I just sit here and protect you. That's all we <laughs> oh, yeah. or chump, Mark? Uh, chump. Oh. Just because okay. something different than Jamie. I'd like to agree. Well, with that being said, uh, last week I was away and I was thrown under the bus, but you were lucky that you both did chant me, but you chumped me for my grade three carry-on. This week we did see Michael Chamis debut for the Sunday football show. Oh, here we go. Great effort here. Outstanding. <laughs> Where's this coming from? Eddie? Thanks, mate. Appreciate <laughs> well, it. Well, we're just really proud of you. But the champ or chump question is your ego. I mean, you've been bossing everybody around since you got in today, okay? So, champ or chump on ego? Um, he's part of the Channel 9 family with myself, so <laughs> champ for me. Well done, mate. I was very happy with your uh, debut. Thank you, Jamie. That is so not I'm going to turn it back to you, Katie. Wrap this show. show up so we can move on, please. <laughs> People don't want to hear from you. Okay, well, I'm going to actually say champ. I Thank thought you. you were brilliant Appreciate on the show. It. Congratulations, and I hope there's more out there. Beep. <laughs> Beep, beep. <laughs> we will be sure to uh, give our real opinions after this show finishes. <laughs> well done. All right, before we do go, don't forget to support Benny for Brain Cancer Round. Of course, the Mark Hughes Foundation have been putting so much effort into this and each year they continue to donate millions of dollars to the research and raise awareness around brain cancer. I did catch up with Mark Hughes a little earlier this week. Here's a little snippet of what's to come on NRL.com later. It's overwhelming. Um, it shows that uh, people care. Uh, people want to give brain cancer patients hope. Because before this, there wasn't much hope for brain cancer. But through the efforts of the NRL, through the efforts of everyone, they're starting to become some hope. Becoming some hope. And this week, Jamie, he's going to be on your podcast for a special edition, which is fantastic. Yeah, Power Hour Sour Wheel. So look, look forward to sit down with Mark and, and talking about that journey and how yeah, he's helped change round 19. Everyone, it, it is Mark Hughes' foundation round. So looking forward to that one. Yeah, sounds great. Make sure you watch that one. That one will be on NRL.com. For any information around um, the Mark Hughes Foundation and Beanies for Brain Cancer round, go on NRL.com or, of course, themarkhughesfoundation.com.au. That's us for the week. Do you want to talk about your power? 
power rankings quickly? Yeah, power rankings Quick. quickly. Manly have gone up to number two. The Sharks, I'm hanging on for one more week. They've gone up to number seven. Uh, they've got four of the next five games at home, so I'm predicting that they will go on a little bit of a hot streak. Make sure you go to NRL.com every Monday at midday for Jamie Soud's power rankings. Great work. I think we said <laughs> NRL.com about 50 times in the last three minutes. So I won't say it again. NRL Teams is on tomorrow at 3.55 with Zach Bailey in the host chair. We will be back next Monday. Until then, have a good one.